You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Matt Phillips here, from One Check Live, and host of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, and thank you very much, um, it is recorded live on YouTube. So if you like what you hear and you want to join us live, then just head along to the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel at eight o'clock every Tuesday. We've done that for 125 weeks in a row without fail. And tonight is episode 126. And the advantage of joining us live, if you can, is because you are able to ask questions to our guests directly. You can mingle with people in the live lounge and um, uh, and find out a little bit about the Sports Therapy Association as well. If you're looking for a professional association, probably the best in the world, then uh, this is a good way to find out um, how we roll and, and mix with people from your regions if you're in the UK and that sort of stuff. But anyway, so that's what we're all about. Um, first of all, thanks to our guests last week. Um, we had Dr. Claire Minchell here and James Chapman, both speakers at the up and coming Therapy Expo 2022, which obviously is happening um, in a couple of weeks now um on the 23rd and the 24th of november so this is the culmination of quite a few episodes now having speakers along with us and uh, tonight is no exception we are speaking to the endurance physio mike james which i'm very excited about he's waiting patiently in the lobby if you do want to um hear about dr claire minchell and james chapman then just head along to your favorite podcast app and download it or you can watch them on youtube we can go to the Sports Therapy Association webpage, the sta.co.uk. <coughs> Frog in my throat. Um, Dr. Claire Minchell is going to be um, in the STA theatre on Wednesday, on the Wednesday, November 23rd at 3.15pm, talking about critical differences between strength and power. And then James Chapman will be on the in the STA theatre on Thursday, November 24th, at 3.30pm, talking about mental first aid at work or mental first mental first aid at work that's the title of this presentation so yeah um, both of them recommended now you might not be aware but i said this in the um description uh, for this particular episode the sta has actually been every single episode every, every episode every single therapy expo since it started in manchester in 2013 um, and it's very proud about that we were in manchester 2013 2014 and then in 15, um, as well as in Manchester, 16, it moved to Birmingham and it's been there ever since uh, COVID permitting. Um, I spoke myself in 2015 and 16. Um, and then I had a little bit of a break because I think um, they're a bit sick and tired of me talking about pain. They'd asked me to talk about injury instead. And I was like, oh, I don't think you quite get what this is all about. But I'm really proud to say that um, I'm so excited about this year and last year I was excited as well. There has been a change. I'm confident that the type of talks and the quality of quality is the wrong word. What the speakers are talking about and the angles they're coming from. Looking through the program, it's all very, very nice. It's all so biopsychosocial. Um, it's beautiful. It's it's a wonderful message. So I'm really proud um, of the STA's involvement in um, getting the speakers and the presentations we got this year and um, founder Gary Benson was very much involved on the panel of people who asked advice of what sort of topics and who should get along so it's I'm really excited it's gonna be great it's gonna be a great two days so if you are booming and ahhing about or oh, should I go is it worth taking time off work I'm gonna lose two days of business obviously you've got to weigh it up but if you're also thinking, oh, I need some CPD, my business isn't going very well. What can I do? What's going to be the best investment? Well, these two days are going to be a fantastic investment for you. Um, because even you won't be able to see everybody there, obviously, but just chatting with other people. I think this year, really, people are really going to recognize that communicating with each other is going to be um, have a huge benefit on your business. Um, you can get so many ideas. People probably we've talked about this before, probably because of COVID, people are not as frightened now to actually chat. I love how Anna Maria Mazzieri changes the word networking now to support. I think that's a lovely idea. And that's what it is now. Go and get supported by each other. Um, obviously, we'll be at the STA stand, um, obviously the STA theatre. So if you do need any supporting, um, then come along and talk to us. So there we go. So tonight's guest 
um, who is um, going to Therapy Expo. He's been around for an awful long time. I think he started in, we were talking off air, I think the first one was in Birmingham, so number four, and has been there ever since. Um, and that is none other than the endurance physio, Mike James, um, who is going to be very much involved this year at Therapy Expo on both days. And for those of you who are not aware, and I'm hoping that some of the people listening um, to the podcast don't know who Mike James is, because that's the whole idea of these podcasts. We want to introduce these people to you know, folk who don't know them. Then uh, Mike James has, um, I try to keep saying he's been around for a long time because that makes him sound old, but he has been around for a long time. Um, and he holds a master's degree in physiotherapy and a bachelor's degree in sports rehabilitation and sports science, former military physical training instructor. Um, he's actually been doing this about 20 years, working from novi with novice to elite endurance athletes. So um, absolutely fantastic person to listen to, um, which you are going to do very shortly and check out at Therapy Expo. Um, just to say hello to a few people have entered the room. When you do enter the room, I can bring your message up on the screen. So if you listen to the podcast, and that's another lovely thing you can do, flash your social media icon and have a chat on screen. Good evening, Stephen Barr. How are you doing? Uh, Leslie Campbell is here as well. Leslie Campbell says, Expo, I'm there with bells on. Beautiful. And we're looking forward to hearing those bells, Leslie. And I, I know that's not even a metaphor. I know now you're going to be wearing bells of some form. Becky Carroll is here and says, evening all. And not long until the expo. Oh, there's such excitement in the room. Glenn Murphy says, hello, STA people. Catherine Reimer is saying, evening, everyone. All these people, I think, are coming along to Therapy Expo, so it'll be fantastic. Um, and people are still coming in the live lounge. So great. Right, I've left our guest down in the lobby for long enough. So um, sit back, relax. This is the last episode before Therapy Expo. And I can't really think of a person, a nicer person to chat through it with and about than Mr. Mike James. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey, mate, how are you doing? Hello, okay. I'm very well, mate. Um, thank you so much for coming along. I was, we were just saying off air, I don't know whether it's our lives or we just haven't spoken for ages. I actually feel a bit guilty. I feel like I should have done more reach out to you but i don't know, I don't know. Uh, well you guys are rocking it with the sda driving forward and um the last 12 months since we caught up to be honest i've gone old school i've been hustling i've been grafting going back to basics with a lot of things in in life and business so um so as much as people might have seen me around i've certainly stepped back away from some of the stuff i was involved with that makes me feel better and i have noted you have definitely got less presence Maybe I'll ask my word. No, you said you backed off a bit from social media. And let's face it, a lot of... Um... I've backed off from the therapist face inside of it. Yeah. Gone back to work. In my, the coaching aspect of my business has gone through the roof. Fantastic. So I've got literally a, a full staff coaching squad that takes up a lot of my week these days. Um, oh. I've opened a new clinic and I've doubled down with old school treating people again. So, um, so there's a lot of time spent off the grid, just getting that stuff up and running. And so, this is a theme uh, we're going to talk about tonight, because I'm glad we were talking again off air. You were pre I'm not sure if everybody understood, but the reason I called this the endurance physio is not just because you are um, coach extraordinaire with, with all sorts of endurance athletes and that, but also you have managed to change and tweak. And like you're just saying, you've, you've changed this and now you're doing more coaching and, and back to more... Um, um, seeing patients and stuff, you've managed to move and change and, and be there and endure quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, since the last century. <laughs> since the last century. <laughs> like a vampire just plodding along. Isn't that a great way of saying I was, it? I was teasing someone the other day that I've, if we take, if you include my time in the fitness industry in, the, mm. in a very similar sort of format as yourself over the years, I've been around long enough now that I saw something be trendy, go out to fashion, come back in in a different form, go out of fashion and come back in its original form. A bit like the uh, the therapy version of flares, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they do hang cool. around long enough and you start realising it's just the same wheel being reinvented in different forms and different names and and you start to sit quite comfortably with, okay, cool, I get it now. I think that's quite, um, like you said, I'm in the same boat as you and we're similar ages and we've started off in similar kind of ways and I think that's one of the advantages of of being in it for a while for for not everyone but for a lot of people is once you've seen it come and go a few times you do kind of chill out a bit more and you don't 
stand on a soapbox i used to and start shouting and saying this is terrible you know like that whole i can't go to sleep yet because someone said something that's not true on the internet you know i think we've all been there but now it's kind of a little bit more it'll calm it'll go it's mm. fine just relax it's 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 the runner in the start of the race that you see all these keen super keen people who sprinting past you and you forget or you don't trust the fact that they're probably going to slow down in the next mile or two and if you just plod along do what you do don't stress about anyone else everything will be all right but there's a, you know social media was a real trigger for a lot of people you'd see these people jump on make these big impacts and a lot of them would ebb away after a while because they were burning more energy than they could sustain to to keep, make and keep that presence and um and the, the ones who persevered are the ones who just stayed in second gear kept plodding along kept doing what they were doing not burning too much personal energy with it all and um and, and I do think that analogy to do with the race reflects our industry quite quite well i think that's excellent that's brilliant yeah i like it um yeah don't go sprinting off let people pass you and don't see it as competition now that's really nice analogy i like it um so tonight people those who are in the live lounge obviously if you um have got any comments or questions for mike about endurance in terms of career in terms of um bending with forces which maybe you can't control and that sort of stuff then then fire away and ask them um, and we will get to it but before we do that um i just want to uh, we've already kind of mentioned a few things which you're doing differently mike but what else let's let's home in a bit more on on why and what you are doing now which you weren't doing last year at therapy expo what's changed a lot for you i think um as anyone who's got a lot of stuff going on in their personal life as well as a professional then that dictates a lot of where your time and energy can be spent and, and you can't push in directions where the pushback's too much. So um, so certainly now as the kids grow and our commitments looking after them and, and spending time with them, it just means that, you know, the globe trotting teaching side of it needs to be a bit smarter. So a lot of my teaching is probably 70% of my teaching is, is online these days. Um, obviously, I, I direct it to coaches and athletes, but also therapists. So so each one of those irons in the fire takes me different routes. Um, the in-person side that I've gone back to a lot more, I, everyone I seem to speak to says the same, but the vocational private education teaching for money to therapists is is really tough right now. There's a lot of people not committing time, money and energy to these courses. So um, the regular slow drip sort of online stuff, I've done a lot of academic teaching with, with sort of guest lecturing in universities. Um, one of the irons still in the fire potentially right now is, is a full-time lecturing job in a university. Um, so I've, I've gone back into, it's again, it's changing direction rather than stepping back. It's just opening avenues that were strong avenues before. Um, the biggest change probably this, this year is that... Um, with the the way my career was in the last five years, then I had quite a fluid sort of clinical base. I had a home clinic and I sort of dipped in and out of other people's clinics. But this year I wanted to increase my physical presence. So I opened a new clinic within a big gym about 10 miles away from home. And I had to go almost back to the things I've done numerous times in the past of the physical presence and old school setting up a clinic, making sure legislation was all right, making sure I was marketing and advertising locally, not just on a wider audience for some of my other things. So I spent a lot of time off the, the grid as far as pushing some of the things I was, you know, the things I sell, so to speak, um, to just really double down on that and, and do some stuff. I've got, um, I think I must have mentioned this to you every time we've spoken, but I've got a couple of books that have been hanging over my head for a couple of years. One's a clinical-based book, and the other one's more like a running guide, like a almost like a lonely planet for runners. Um, and both of those are still just on the back burner, a couple of pages a month being done there. So so all in all, there's just lots of little things that I try to direct my attention to. Um, I'm not any less busy or, or sort of... Um, grafting as much as I was when perhaps people saw more of me in SDA circles. It's just I've, I've directed it into different avenues and put my time into more of the traditional way of, of being a therapist. That's great. I like the way I picked up on when you said, you know, it's stepping to the side rather than stepping back. 
I wonder whether people are in a similar situation where they do need to change their business model. And I'm interested in, in the live lounge, if you found this isn't working, I need to kind of do what I used to do. Whether that can feel like a step back, because the actual kind of idea, I'm doing what I used to do, and then I stopped doing that, and now I'm going back to it, could kind of have a negative connotation. You might think, I'm, I'm going backwards here, I'm not going forwards. Have you got any tips for people who might be thinking, I'm going backwards, um, to not kind of go down that road, which could be kind of a little bit depressing and, and worrying? Yeah, I, th I think you've got to, you've always got to remember, and this is something I always do, is what's my end goal here? How do I want my life to look? And certainly where I gauge my professional success isn't on how much I earn, how quick I fix people. It's how the balance of my week and life looks. And sometimes you can pursue something, you know, the, the worst thing we can do in life is not try something. So sometimes it's about, you know, you don't have to be reckless and gamble on stuff that fails completely and you do have to go back and start again it's dipping your toe in something that you think might be an avenue that's worth progressing or exploring being brave enough to do it but being smart enough to step back when you realize okay maybe it's not where it might have gone or, or where I want to so therefore you're not retreating back in a failed attack sort of way you're just going tried that I'll double down on this again it's, 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 and I don't even like using the phrase treading water. So you've got to be brave to go, but always remember what, what is the soul and life and blood of our industry. And that's generally treating people and, and being there as a service to the people who live around us. So, um, so it is almost just a, it's, it's a framework of thinking that would be my advice. It's not, not so much what specifically to try or not try. It's just be brave enough to try. And be brave enough to go, if I didn't try, I didn't know. It's not a failure. It's just, cool, I can focus on something else. And particularly, you know, if, um, and it's not why I went back to the clinical stuff, but one of the things that took me away from the clinical stuff, a lot of people will know me through my time with Sports Injury Fix. When I went back into the clinical stuff, I gained so much knowledge and expertise and experience and reflective stuff from my time with Sports Injury Fix that made me run in my clinic even better than I was before. And I thought I was all right before. So it's, it's even if something doesn't work or you, it doesn't end up being a long-term plan, it's sucking all the positives out of that and directing them back into something else. Am I a better person and a better therapist from those experiences? And how can I channel those positives into a new direction? That's brilliant. That's excellent. And I listened to you talking through it and I'm thinking, wow, I wonder whether like a, for a lot of people, you need to chat to someone else this is where the ideas of mentorship and things like this happens because to, to you make it sound also simple but for a lot of people they just can't open those right doors and think that way can they so that's where mentoring we've talked about this before quite a lot on the show mentoring can really help it may for some people be the best investment that they could ever do where they just chat to someone who's been around the block a few times who's got some experience and um, you do mentoring you chat to yeah. other yeah and do yeah. you find yeah. that obviously you're going to say yes but have you got some success stories of where therapists have chatted to you and have just you managed to open doors for them and they've thought of things which they wouldn't plan before? Yeah, I, I I gauge success with the people I mentor as can I simplify and um, clarify their thinking. It's never I don't mentor in a let's make you ten grand a month or let's get you fifty x. It's like how can I help you from my experience and my standpoint to gain clarity on what you're looking for, because most of them sort of know what they want. So sometimes with certain people, I've got a couple of, um, we've got the um, University of South Wales down here has got a really strong chiropractic degree. So I tend to get quite a lot of newly qualified chiros just looking for that bit of um, shadowing in clinic, maybe running some clinical case studies past. And, and mentoring to them is very much that clinical sort of, you know, what would I do with some of these? And in that situation, all my advice is very much, well, of course, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. You decide which one you want to do. I'm just telling you options that I would think might be something to do. Um, but a lot of the mentoring I do, and this is the ones I enjoy the most, actually, um, there's things like um, just a chat. I just have an, a chat on the Zoom call for an hour to people about stuff. And, I, and literally, that's how I frame you know, What do you want to chat about this month? Oh, well, I'm thinking about trying this. Okay, cool. I've got a guy now who's, who's starting to work with um, more runners and more athletes and that sort of thing. How do I go about trying to advertise for some of these? 
What mistakes did you make? What are, what have you done well? What what didn't work for you? I love those chats. Mm. If I you know if I'm grey and getting old and can share the mistakes I made to stop someone else making mistakes, that's probably the best help I could ever give anyone as far as mentoring them. So very much these are very loose framework. It's a, you know what can I help you with this month? What do you want to chat about? And sometimes they'll be clinical. Sometimes they'll be life. Sometimes you know I have got one guy I'm, I'm mentoring right now who's you know, 15, 20 years younger than me, but just become a dad for the first time. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how did you, when you became a dad, how did you balance work and kids and how did you reframe stuff? And we just chat about life. You know, it's 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 just being there as a, how can I help you mentoring? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there are people who are very successful in mentoring and very good mentoring that specialize in very niche areas. So if it, if mentoring is something that, and I agree with you completely, for a lot of therapists, the best time, money, and energy they could ever invest in any learning is, is a mentor. It's almost a case of finding the right one for them. And it's almost a case of identifying what it is you want to be mentored in. Is it, you know, and if you say, oh, business, well, what about business? What what about your business do you want to be better at? Because I've, I know therapists who their mentor ended up being a patient who was an entrepreneur or a business advisor or a financial advisor. They weren't therapists who mentored them because they needed that side of their learning. And if it's clinical, what are you looking for? Someone specific in an area you're working in, or more general, you know, a lot of the time, I think some of the, some of the mistakes people make sometimes is they see someone who they think is the career they want. So, right, I'll be mentored by you because I want to end up where you are in 20 years time or whatever. And actually the pathway they got there or the luck and the bad luck that they got is just what it is and it's not for you. And if you've made something work one particular way, it's very easy to suddenly think that's the magic answer to, to everyone's solution. So, um, so yeah, just just I, I am a big fan. Of, and mentoring to me goes up and down the totem pole. I learn stuff from the people I mentor as much as I help them learn stuff. So don't don't think it's about an age or experience or a qualification thing. It could be anywhere in that in that sort of spectrum. And likewise. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be by successful people. And, and I mean that in a, in a positive spin. Learning from someone who's failed at something is often far more um, honest and um, well-intentioned. You know, yeah, well, this is what I got wrong. And I've reflected on Nobody reflects on what they did that got right. They reflect on the things that went badly for them and what they could do different next time. So definitely, definitely an, an absolute massive fan of, of uh, mentoring. And I still, at this point in my career, look for mentors. It's not something that ends at a certain point. You know, it might just be a peer that you pick the phone up and chew the fat with over something. So, um, which is almost like my number one thing when you said, you know, let's chat about the endurance of your career. And, and my number one note that I jot down was just never stop learning and never stop relearning. You know, you'll never, if the second you think you know it or you know enough is when you start to go backwards. And and I've almost still to this day, I, I'm fearful of drof, drifting back. That's my passion right now is it's it's moved to the point of don't stop being better. So, so if mentoring is something that helps you keep learning or relearning stuff, then, then definitely that's the way forward for most. Lovely, definitely, yeah. Now I'm nodding away at you. If it, people listening to the podcast, you can't see me. But I'm like a little nodding dog in the in the back. I'm like Churchill. Oh yes, um, that's brilliant. Um, it's interesting. I mean, this this is what I kind of alluded to in the beginning. Therapy Expo can be a great way of of getting this kind of conversations and almost like a form of mentoring because from your peers, just mixing with other people and having conversations. Um, and I love the way you say that it's not necessarily a, this person's really experienced and this person's not, and it's a one-way communication. I think if any conversation with any therapist, you're both going to learn from it. I mean, it's something which I'd like to think and in my darkest hours is getting better. And it's, and it's, and ultimately that's helping the number one person who is the patient or the client, because the more therapists talk then the more the general level of quality of service is going to go up and, and the patients are going to, Mm-hmm. In, you know gonna gonna benefit as well and i've got an interesting question here i'm sorry i'm just bring catherine because if i leave catherine a question for five minutes or more she gets a little bit anxious so i'm just gonna bring that up i'm joking catherine i've just seen it it's a good question i'm gonna bring it up catherine catherine says mine 
um, is I keep wanting to change the way my business model is, but I keep reverting back to what my clients want, the quick fix, rather than helping them with long-term educate, facilitate change. I think that's a really good question, one I want to put to Mike, because there is, there's, there's really powerful forces, isn't there, which keep you in the old school kind of give them what they want, flash them with this, tell them their body's broken, but I can fix it. It's kind of short-term fix, isn't it? And if people do want to evolve, then yeah, there's a lot of negative forces which stop you from doing it. So what would your advice be for Catherine? Yeah, I think anytime someone wants to change something career-wise, mantra-wise, direction-wise of the business, then the three words that I throw at someone all the time is, is evolution, not revolution. You can't change, just like we talk clinically about changing people's beliefs, changing the things they have, you can't just suddenly turn a super tanker around. So it is identifying where you want that business to be and working out what can I do in the short term that just takes two steps to get there. So it might be that 10% of the client base you chase is the one you want it to be. And you do have to continue working the way you want to with 90%. And as that gets traction, it becomes 20%, 30%. Now you may be, and I, I do it now, there's a certain population of patients that at my stage in life, I don't really want to treat. Now, I don't just say no to them. I've made outlets to refer them to other people. But I couldn't say no once upon a time to anyone coming in the clinic because I needed to run the business. But I'm able now slowly over time to have enough of one to say no to the other. So it's just that slow. And eventually, with that endurance and perseverance, the tipping point will or won't come. And if it comes, you know, brilliant. I can double down on the things I want to do and, and I'm happy. And if it doesn't come, it's finding, well, where's that new balance? Where's that new equilibrium of, okay, maybe 50 is where, where that change will be um, and, and work from there. You know, I know plenty of, of therapists who own the traditional high street clinic, have staff working for them, and they've built their business into a position that they can see the ones they want to, but the bills get paid by the other ones treated by other therapists. There's, there's loads of ways for us to, to take this. Obviously, if you're a, a one-person army, single-chair practice, so to speak, then it's difficult because you are what you are and you've got the time you've got available. But just, you know, evolution over time slowly rather than this revolution. And and the people that you see with the revolution are the ones who try to change it every couple of months. Every, you know, that's not working, do something else. That's not working, do something else. It's the ones on social media that go five posts a day for six months and then don't post for a year. And I don't mean that's the business model for everyone, but it's that example of, I go full bore at something, and when it doesn't reach the tipping point in the speed I want it to, I have to try something else. And it's just a frustrating way to do it. So so time and perseverance isn't the nice answer. It's not the sexy answer people want, but it's the only way it really works. It's, you know, unless you start a dot-com business and become a millionaire overnight, most of us have to just play the long game. Lovely. I love that. Catherine, so there you go. Evolution, not revolution. That's brilliant. Stephen Barr has come in saying wise words, Obi-Wan, wise words. Very true. We like that. Evolution, not revolution. Um, let's take a look. More questions if you've got people, then um, be, feel free to put them in there. Becky Cowell has said we can learn so much from making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very healthy mantra to have, isn't it? Um, I just I just remembered now when you said um, uh, never stop learning, I think there's a caveat there or, or a misinterpretation that sometimes younger therapists or I remember when I was really proud every time I did a course or every time I bought a new book or generally involved spending money I was like ah the eternal student always learning always learning but there's different it depends on the interpretation of learning isn't it if you're just doing a course for the sake of it you feel like I'm always learning and you just you joke with your friends are oh, the eternal student but I find that can be quite self-destructive isn't it yeah, it's a brilliant point, and I should have. I, I, it's a brilliant way to, to make me expand on that answer. Definitely, that um, it isn't just collecting certificates, CPD hours, especially when you know it's the things, and I, these are the things I always see. People know where they want that journey to be, the business and the therapist they want it to be, and they try to do things now for that therapist that's five, ten years away. They don't do the thing for the patient they've got in front of them now. So I want to go and do this advanced diagnostics course or I want to learn this taping technique or whatever it is. But actually, the patient in front of you just needs something else. 
and and you have to really work out you know how do i help what i've got now and you know we were chatting off air that all the learning and teaching that i do now my only philosophy is the person in front of me listening to this can they go to clinic next week with every single patient that comes in and help them knowing what i'm going about to talk about and if if my talk doesn't hit that spot then i've got it wrong so it is a case of you know identifying what will help now you can still do the stuff in you know if you don't plan for the future and you don't do those stepping stones then the future never comes but it's like learn what you need to know and and it's a number that's why i like the word relearning when i'm working in certain positions that might be something i've done in the past and now i'm a different person a different man a different attitude about life about stuff pulling out a book or something else or watching something that i watched 5 years ago I will interpret it completely different now because I'm a different person than I was when I first watched it. So it's you know it's relearning but it's learning from scratch again with a different mindset and a different attitude and and that's where you then will will develop that strategy. So so don't just put the gold star shiny stuff down of I want to do this I want to do that. And of course then you have to have this skin this thickness about you a barrier almost to not fall for the the glitzy sexy stuff that is being well marketed well pushed well published and of course it's it's again it's that race that we're on about when you see everybody sprinting in front of you saying i'm now qualified in this i can now do this and you oh am i missing out by not doing that one mm. oh i i should do it well, it might not be the one for you and of course that learning as you go and i think this this should probably be early in your career but probably for the first bit it is the the hardcore clinical essentials are probably the the thing to work on but the longer you play the game and the older you get then my learning comes from far more diverse places than i ever thought it would i i learn very little clinical stuff anymore the books that i read now are how to read body language by a bloody fbi profiler what the what the people are saying without saying it the communication stuff nonverbal communication i read stuff like that these days with my intent of making me a better clinician because a lot of the stuff it's the same now as we said it's reinventing the wheel it's not going to change but like one of my talks at therapy expo is about supercharging your subjective we pay such lip service to the subjective we learn it and we do it every day with every patient we see but most of us could be a million times better including myself but we never think about how can you know because it's not sexy if i put a course on let's make your subjective better i'm not selling many tickets for that mm. but if i find some you know new tests for the shoulder everyone's come into that but if i know which tests i need to do and when i should do them and which ones i don't need to do because my subjective's on point maybe that's the more important thing and you have to make these mistakes sometimes we all sit there you're probably the same i got a folder over there with years worth and thousands of pounds worth of clinical mistakes that i've made from training in cpd you know i've gone on courses and come back where i've either spent the next 3 months making everything look like a nail because now i've got a shiny hammer i can use mm. or i've done something but then i've come back and gone it's not the population for that so i've never used something i spent you know weekends at a time on some course spent hundreds of thousands of pounds and i've never used it and actually there might have been a book or an article or a conversation with someone that would have been far more useful for me at the time but again it's 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 that reflective practice of what am i doing what have i done how did it work what do i need to do next fantastic yeah i love it when people say even out loud on social media it always makes me um kind of giggle a little bit but like oh i did the cpd course the other day and guess what on monday the first three clients i saw had exactly what they taught me in the cbd course what are the chances i'm thinking yeah what are the chances you know it's just confirmation bias extreme isn't it but you mentioned your course. this is a good segue because you mentioned the things you're doing i want to oh dear 836 i want to bring up what you're doing at um therapy Expo this year so let me share a little pad i made earlier on i'm just going to move over here so people on uh listen podcast you can't see this but i just brought up a little um diary of what Mike is up to at Therapy Expo um, on the 23rd and 24th of November. So the one you just mentioned, 23rd of November in Theatre B, in fact, all of your stuff's in Theatre B. Yeah, 9.55 in the morning, supercharging your subjective, how to avoid the biggest mistakes we all make at the start of an assessment. Brilliant, for the reasons you've already said, that is gonna be a really nice one to go to. Um, 
the only problem you might have or the only problem I might have is that at that same time on the Wednesday I'm doing my talk so that's the, that's the already one to to. well no I love the way it's done in them only come across to me <laughs> no, um... you know but this is a problem I'm glad it's come up because this is gonna be a problem a lot of people are gonna face I mean you've got two excellent speakers yeah. both, that's, both... That's, that's the strength of therapy expo it's a jam-packed sort of star-studded thing where where not so much the people speaking but the content is 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 helpful yeah, content yeah, yeah. but um but there's going to be lots know, of dilemmas like that, isn't there? There's going to be yeah, lots of people. But you calling. know me, I'm always happy to just record that when I'm back, make a little YouTube video and share the link with people to watch. It's not, I don't keep anything secret. Exactly. So, that's um, very true, actually. So very that's true. It. But you're going to find complex people. Um, and this is probably the biggest conflict you're going to find. I wouldn't want to choose between me and Mike. Oof, nasty. Mm. We've both, we've both had fantastic facial hair in the past. Um, we've both, yeah. Well, wow. the only thing I'd say, you always <laughs> have the one-upmanship on, on the um, on the beard. If you're really torn, why don't you come and see me with my man bun? Maybe oh. I'll maybe I'll tip 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 in point with that one from now on. <laughs> but but anyway, you know a really interesting point there, Matt, about the clashes and this yes. whole learning journey is if people are sitting and they're thinking about here's the timetable, where am I going to go? What's my learning journey going to be through Therapy Expo? Then write out what you think you're going to do and then stop and go, how many of those are the things I need to learn versus the things I want to learn? That's a good point. Because when we're talking about what will benefit you and your clinic and your patients now, often it's the things that you've not gone to. It's the it's the stuff you thought, oh, I'd like to, but it's not important because there might be someone you want to see or listen to. There might be a topic that ultimately where you want your business to go is what you want to listen to. And if you have that balance that, well, I've seen a few that I need to and a few that I want to, brilliant. But but I've made so many mistakes at conferences over the years of, of listening to who I wanted to listen to mm-hmm. and then realised it would have been better for me to go to the other one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. And also, I mean, I think you said it before in the, in the various times we've chatted, make sure that one or two of your things you're going to see over the course of the two days, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, is things you don't agree with. Things you poo-poo, things you go, oh, I'm not listening to that again. Oh, I know what they're going to talk about. Because that's really cool, isn't it? We've mentioned this before, just challenging your biases. You might go in there and you, you might realise, I was right in thinking that this isn't my cup of tea and I don't like it. But at least you've gone to give the person, you know, the, the time of day and you've challenged your biases, which is so yeah. important as well, isn't it? Yep, I spoke at the STA stage for Therapy Expo a couple of years, three, four years ago, and said, and that was my talk. You know, biases are not evil. Everybody's mm-hmm. got them. We just need to acknowledge them and challenge them. Yeah, that's wise advice. Um, and that's what I'll be telling a lot of people to do if they come up to me and say, oh, I don't want to see. And they'll be holding their bits of paper and that. And um, I'll be saying, well, which do you think is going to be about things you don't agree with? Go and see one of them. Go and sit down, get yourself a coffee and just go in there and absorb it all. Anyway, so, yeah, um, Wednesday at 10 a.m., you've either got me who's doing a gate analysis and more than approach or you got Mike, who is going to be, oh, what's that, where we gone? Where's Mike gone? There he is. Mike's going to be 9.55, supercharging your subjective, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of crossover between the two anyway, knowing you. Um, on the Thursday, on the 24th of November in Theatre B, Mike, you're doing at 10.35, making the, oh, I love this one. I've got to come and see one of yours. No, I mustn't come and see one of yours. I've got to it'd just be ticking my boxes, but, I, but you're so sexy. I've got to go and see one of them. Oh, we'll, we'll see. 10.35, making the other 167 hours matter why it's so important to influence what they do when they aren't in clinic and how to do it. That's hugely good. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that, that is literally the whole theme of that is stop blaming your bloody patients for mm. not doing the stuff you want them to do and start reflecting on what we're doing to help them. Um, we all, and I, I'm part of that problem, we all sell these sexy courses and this education about being better at exercise prescription, you know, being gold standard and an expert at the stuff you do there. But ultimately, the only thing that works with exercise is the adherence element of it. If you can't get them to do it, can't get them to stick to it, and I've used exercise there, but the talk will be sleep, nutrition, everything else, um, then then how can we do that? What are the barriers that are getting in the way of that 167 hours? And it could be programming or stuff from us that's just unrealistic. Tom Goom always... always um, Tom Goom years and years ago did this fantastic thing where he tried to spend a month doing the plan that he'd given a patient. 
And he always advocates to people, try the rehab, the last rehab plan that you gave people, try and do it yourself for a month and see how much you can do it. And then learn and reflect on that is, is it really that realistic? Or is it what I thought was realistic? So that's all about, you know, that, that side of it, that soft skill side of it about really focusing on how we interact with people. And, and it's linked to that first one a little bit about, um, about, you know, getting them to buy into the stuff, the self-management side, because more often than not, when people don't do the things we want to, it's our fault, not them. The rehab fails them. It's not that they fail the rehab. I love that. That's really cool. And it's such an important thing, which if therapists can get that frame of mind earlier on, because you start off and the typical thing is, oh, they didn't do their exercises. What do they expect? It's not my fault. I told them what to do. I've done my end of the bargain. And you you might go through one or two years like that. And But once that coin drops and you start thinking they didn't do their exercises, right, why was that? Did I not explain the importance of them at all? Did I give them something that was too much? Did I not ask the right questions of their family life? That's just a massive turnaround, isn't it? So that's going to be great. Solutions, the solutions are often far simpler than people think. You know, the dog get my homework type of thing. Oh, I've lost the sheet or I can't quite remember what that one was. Well, have I sent you a video of me demonstrating the exercises? Did I get your phone off you in clinic and film you doing them while I told you what to do? Have I sent you that little WhatsApp message or email halfway through the week to check in how you're doing? Just the silly little things for that accountability that is on us as professionals. Too many of us are that transactional approach of you come into clinic, I see you, see you next week. And we don't even think about the patients when they've left clinic. Maybe we bump into them in town or whatever, but we don't really sit there and reflect of, am I doing everything I can? And of course, you need to switch off. It's not an open access thing. But it's, am I doing everything I could or can to facilitate the environment for this person to get better? Now, if I've done all that and they still don't get better, then maybe it's the patient who could have engaged more. But I've done everything I can Mm -hmm. for them to do that. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. I think it was Derek Griffin who won in one episode of One Chat Live, he said something like, every time you see your client or patient, like even if it's every week, the assessment, start do the assessment again. So ask them those questions, do the subjective because life changes and, mm-hmm. and something might have happened, which has totally changed the, the, the time they've got to do these exercises or their desire to do it. Or So don't just do that subjective once and then do six weeks of treatment. Just start off with that conversation again you might have a totally different person in front of you depending on the you know the ecosystem around them so yeah great advice 210 on the Thursday you are doing your I bet you're so happy you're doing three aren't you yeah I bet you're thrilled with that it felt like a good idea at the time <laughs> oh, and I'll talk about this I'll talk about this I think I'm sitting on some panels as well which yeah, is you just... are you are yeah you got about three or four of them as well um so 210 on the Thursday um you're doing one called uh, give less but do more the only three exercise progressions you'll ever need for any exercise. Wow, that is clickbait. That is just it three is. exercise and, progressions. And it's full disclosure. <laughs> that is full clickbait. Do not come there thinking I'm going to show you three exercise progressions because I'm not. But effectively what I'm doing is dipping down that rabbit hole of the one before. If the one before is more that overarching philosophy and, and framework of thinking about managing your patients, this does go, okay, Let's get in the nitty gritty of the exercises that we're giving someone. What is it about those that we're making the mistakes on and how can we not make those mistakes? Wonderful. So that's at 210. Um, and all of these are in theatre B. Um, I've just yeah. realised, I'm thinking I want to come along and see some of these, but I can't. I'm in bloody, the S- not the bloody, I'm in the S- the wonderful STA theatre for all two days with yeah. all our speakers. So well, I, well I'm chairing one of the theatres this year, so I'm hoping I'm chairing theatre B. <laughs> Because that'll make my life a lot easier. Yeah, they are. All of yours are. Yeah. yeah so yeah, um, so I'll be I'll be there, and I won't be be able to dip in and out and see see too much else myself, which will be a, a first for me actually. I did chair one day of last year's, but that was a very off the cuff. Someone couldn't make it, and I stepped in. Mm. But um, but this year is a planned chairing of the theatre, so I get to listen to everyone in that theatre, which is quite nice. Yeah, I was looking at the program. And um, yeah, you've got some interesting ones. Yeah, actually, one of them is John Gibbons. Obviously, you have a um, very fond relationship with. So you're, you're doing training one of his. But just to let you know now, I noticed that um, in Theatre B at 5.20, you're doing the chair's closing remarks. But the, the, the last chat in that theatre before then actually finishes 
um, at four o'clock. So it might be a little bit quiet for you if an hour and 20 <laughs> minutes off. This is just you doing it. I'm not sure what's happening there. Maybe there's I might, might pre-record that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting in there an hour of empty theatre. But anyway, yeah, very exciting. Um, so, right, yeah, there is all. If, if you want to see a visual of them, then just head over to Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel and um, it's going to be a minute. I don't know where we are, probably about minute 40s or something you'll see a screenshot of all what mike's up to or just go to the therapy expo website and put in mike james and you'll see everything he's involved in um obviously where are we 847 we're fine um i just want kind of a little bit of feedback from you a lot of the people i've got in the sta theater um you know um because i've just put quality there and you surround yourself with quality all the time but just um thoughts quick thoughts maybe one or two minutes of your experience of these people obviously there's no one presentation which is going to suit everybody we've talked about that it all depends on where people are in their career and what the who the audience are and that sort of stuff but on the wednesday we're starting off with the uh with the women in sports therapy that's gonna be a little round table discussion that's gonna be so good i'm so looking forward to that communication we've got deborah thorough roley and dr fiona higgs of the women in sports therapy podcast um, being joined by Sonia Fierro, um, who we've had on the show um, about four times now, and obviously Anna Maria Mazzieri. And the idea is it's going to be the four of them talking about um, women in sports therapy around a table involving the audience. Sounds like a pretty good idea, no? What could go wrong? Mm. Yeah. Again, you mentioned earlier about challenging your biases, and that just to me, for, for obviously there'll be people with specific interests in these areas, but for a lot, for the general therapist, there's so much bias challenge in there, you know? If you're a guy, go along to that women in sports therapy because you might work with women in sports therapy. You might need to open your eyes about things that aren't things you're even aware of right now that are issues for, for women in sports therapy. And again, some of the other things, you may not work with pregnant people, but you may know someone who is pregnant or you may know someone who wants to get into that avenue and, and to just open your thinking about them. Um, as much as I saw, I don't want to contradict what I said, but as much as I said about Learn what you need to now to make that experience with with patients better now. Then you can't take your eye one eye off. What else might I need to know? What's the state of the industry right now? What's what's the problems people people deal with? Because because it's it's not peripheral or um, unneeded knowledge in some ways for some people. It's all something that may be really relevant. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, and we have we've had various episodes now about women's pelvic health. Um, and male pelvic health and if it's an area where you think you are less knowledgeable whether you are however you identify um, I think that would be a real eye-opener and a lovely way to start the day at nine o'clock um, and the theme kind of continues it was never my intention but after that we've got um, Jenny Bowell of Bowell Education who's going to be looking at um, serving women throughout the perinatal perinatal period um, as opposed to not just pregnancy massage but the other ways we can help um, female population um, and then we've got a few on the screen now which are slots which have, I haven't organized but the space is being used and that's not me kind of judging who's in there but Cassia McCartney neurofeedback therapist will be doing a chat after that and then we go to James Earls understand the human foot um, do you know James? Have you spent time with James, Mike? A couple of times, never at length, never for any prolonged period of time. But yeah, chatted a few times. I think the first time I met him was um, on a chat live conference. It could be. Well, that's the, the place to meet. Thank you for that little drop. But yeah, it's true. I've 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 had the pleasure of speaking to James a couple of times on the show now, more than I managed to talk to at the conference. But great speaker and somebody who exemplifies, a bit like Walt Fritz or somebody. They've been there. They've said stuff. They've reflected, and they've not quite a U-turn, but pretty close to a U-turn in terms of what they were saying 10, 15 years ago. A real pioneer of myofascial release and all of that. Um, and now he's kind of just thought, you know what? Things are not quite like I thought they were going to be. So hugely good therapist, good speaker for people to to go and see if you worry about evolving, telling patients something which is different than what you told them a month ago. This guy's telling patients things different than, than he, you know, he was really, really into um, 15 years ago. So that'll be a really interesting one. Um, then we got an ultrasound chat of somebody um, which uh, I'm not quite sure about, Chris, somebody. Um, and then we got Harness Creativity and Innovation in Rehab. So there's a few that I'm not sure about, so I'm not going to dwell um, on those. And there's no disrespect to the people who are doing it. It's just, I don't know. Um, and then on the Thursday, oh, there's me on the Wednesday as well. It's just lost past that. 
On the Thursday, we got male pelvic, pelvic health red flag with Bill Taylor, who again is a wonderful person I've never met face to face, but what a great guy, great educator. Um, that's going to be all about male pelvic health. Um, um, and then there's Ian Gatt, who I've never met before, but he's going to be talking about sports hand and wrist injuries. Oh, shockwave that'll be about. Then we got Claire Mitchell, who I know you know, Mike. How would you sum up Claire Mitchell in kind of a 20 second elevator pitch for people who don't know Dr. Claire Mitchell? A phenomenal person and one of the best fonts of knowledge is in the industry. I should wrap around it nicely. <laughs> there you go. Should be pleased with that. Yeah, we, she was on the show last week and yeah, fantastic. She spoke very highly of you as well. Um, if you've never met or or Claire Minchel in person you might be familiar with some of the work she's done with Get Back to Sport but seeing her live is just really inspiring really cool you'll walk away it's a bit like going to see Rocky doesn't matter how many times you've seen it you'll go out there put your hood up and you'll start shadow boxing down the street I'm not saying at all not drawing any parallels between Dr Claire Minchel and Sylvester Stallone I'll just make that clear but it's the same kind of emotional response brilliant teacher brilliant educator and um, so much experience there so that's that's a, that's a wise one to go and see I would recommend and she's got Mike James seal approval as well then we got um, something called treatment of muscle injuries with physical therapies, the experience with photobiomodulation. Isn't, I don't know if it's a coincidence that all the ones I didn't put in are something to do with a manual therapy technique or whether it's shockwave or it shows my biases anyway. I don't think about anybody talking about what you can do to somebody. All of mine are what you can do with somebody. But anyway, so there, yeah, if you want to know about photobiomodulation um, and TECAR, then there's, there's a chat about that. And then we've got the wonderful um, Chris Tiley, who will be finishing the day on Wednesday with encouraging our population to get strong. Um, Chris, you've met before, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Lots of times. What a nice guy. What a nice guy, isn't it? You know, I bet he hates that. I bet he hates that. I bet he grew up with that at school. Oh, Chris, he's such a nice guy. But um, fascinating um, uh, niche he's got and such an important one um, helping people particularly kind of over 50 60 70 years old some great videos out there just showing what older generation can do and turn things around um, I follow him just to just because it's just inspiring as I'm getting on myself yeah. you had somebody and, like and you know what we, we chat about you may not work with certain populations or you may want to know them as peripheral we're all going to end up as old people <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so hopefully. Yeah. Thing, get along and listen to that because it's going to be us one day. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the Thursday, that was a Wednesday. Geez, on the Thursday, um, we start off with uh, massage and manual therapy, a modern view. What a combination there. Paul Coker with Anna Maria Mazzieri. I don't think it's better than that. What a combination? Glasgow and Italy in one room. Um, giving you the modern view of massage and therapy. That's going to be fantastic. Both been on the show. Um, I know you um, know Paul and Anna Maria very well. Liz Bailey, uh, the dancer's foot. Liz was very popular. A um, few um, episodes under her belt, um, not just to do with dancers. Um, for any sport, Liz kind of mentioned, which involves um, kind of explosive power and foot and ankle and anything really, which is going to involve that. Um, it will be relevant to you. So that's at um 10 o'clock in the sta theater and um, there's something else i'm not mentioning because i don't know what it's about gary mendoza understanding your client's behavior change that was what mike was talking about earlier on um about um understanding uh, improving your communication recognizing what stage your client is with regards to making a behavioral change because if you give them something which they're and they're not the right stage to take that on board then what's the point you're wasting your breath and I've loved Dr. Gary Mendoza the bits. I've got so much time for him. Um, and then, although there's not one CPD which will suit everybody out there, that's the one I'd recommend. If you've got a gap at 11.30 on the Thursday, then that is going to open your eyes to something which a lot of people haven't considered before. So I'd recommend that one. Then we've got a little bit of Achilles with Dr. James Brown. Um, exercise prescription with Tim Allardyce. I'm really happy about that. He's going to be in the STA theatre as well. Um, expert guide on tips for successful exercise prescription and then I can see time ticking away here returning to running postnatal we got Emma Brockwell in the house I've never met have you met Emma face to face have you no Mike no. No, um, I'm really excited about that because does so much great work and she used to work with your mates who's the ex-military guy Uzo oh yeah yeah I think she used to work with Uzo in London somewhere Uzo, it is Uzo isn't it 
yeah yeah so um yeah just again i'm just a sucker for people who are modest and emma has got so much to offer the industry and she's so modest with it so emma's gonna be turning running uh returning to running postnatal um and then there's overcoming barriers to clinic growth which will be very relevant and then sports therapy and mental health with last week's guest james chapman so much stuff there um, packed. Packed, isn't it? always in it just in it just um so obviously i'm i'm obviously i'm encouraging all of you to come and check out sta theater but i'm hope i made it clear and mike's made it clear this episode as well don't just go there because you think everyone else is going there and, and you've heard just have a little think like mike said about what your goals are what you want to put into practice who your audience are and then choose your person or the content rather that's another tricky thing isn't it choosing the person or the or the or the content how do you manage that mike because sometimes people are really attractive and you hear a lot about them you think i'm just going to go for the person but hmm. and, and sometimes that? that's the right call yeah you know sometimes people do pop their heads up and they gain a real big sort of interest and they're the flavor of the month and you need to find out more about them yourselves yeah um even if it's a topic because again you can learn so, becky's put there about you know from your experiences of previous experts yeah. what differentiates a good speaker from bad sometimes it's the stuff they teach you that's not the topic they're talking about they'll just be talking about something in the flow of what their talk is that you'll go oh that was really interesting to know and of course sometimes you'll go and you'll just go well wasn't as much as i thought that would be it wasn't wasn't great but you've done it and you've learned and you've you've moved on i think um so, so sometimes the person's fine you know if you repeatedly choose someone because they're the the snake oil salesman with the patter and, and and you keep making the same mistake obviously that's where people tend to to guru worship and fall for those um role models and mentors that they perhaps shouldn't um but generally i always i think and this is a very it's a personal answer in the fact of what would i look for and what do i try to be as a speaker if, if i want someone to think this is what i think of mike is is that Someone who who talks in their process of the talk in whatever area they're talking about is what they actually make you come away as is a better therapist, not better at therapy. And of course, sometimes you might go to a very treatment or modality based specific learning and the aim is the treatment. So that's, you know, we're not we're not saying that's carte blanche answer. But in a lot of the topics, have, have I li- have, do I leave feeling as a better therapist than just the therapy that I'm listening to? And then my overarching mantra for everything these days, and it's taken me down the rabbit holes and climbing back out, is a good speaker to me is someone who makes you world-class at the basics rather than basic at the world-class. You know, they may, with a slap around the face or a gentle nudge, just point out, you know, I, I've done... One of, the, one of the things I talk a lot about now is I've got a little course called Mastering the Fundamentals. Yeah. It's, it's clinical assessment. It's subjectives. It's uh, exercise prescription. It's note-keeping, record. They're not sexy stuff. They're not the things that pulls people in. That's all oh, brilliant. But eventually, when, you, when you've been on the rabbit wheel long enough, it's probably you come full circle and go, I should get better at the stuff I do with the most of the time with the most people. You know, as a slide on one of my talks, the subjective one about communication is the thing that we do 100% of the time with 100% of our patients as 100% therapists. So if we aren't focusing on trying to be world-class at things like communication, then we're really missing a trick. So um, so, so I'm a big fan of that as, as my caveat and my criteria is, you know, are they making you better therapists and are they making you world-class at the stuff you use the most? I think that's great. great doesn't advice. mean doesn't mean don't go to the other ones, of course. Mm. But it's 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 my sort of primary driver choosing people. Sound advice, I would say. Um, Leslie Campbell has said uh, very excited for Emma too. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, Emma's again fantastic um, educator and done so much for the industry and is so modest. I just love modest, like yourself. You know, you're going on. It's not sexy. I can't. That was what accent was that? I wasn't Welsh at all. But anyway. I love how you keep going, not sexy and not sexy, but people, if you listen to podcasts and you've never seen Mike James before, then please just go to YouTube and tell me, is that guy sexy? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, again, modesty with his man bun and his stubble and that and his Welsh accent, you know. 
but anyway so yeah i do love people who are modest and as because as therapists we need to be modest as well isn't it as soon as you stand up thinking you've got the answers to everything and you can fix people these are all the rabbit holes these are all the things whereas you should be somebody who recognizes you don't know everything not too much don't have no confidence at all but we've said it so many times on the show you need to recognize that you won't have the answers to everything because we don't understand humans 100 yet and i always say it we haven't got like a haynes manual it hasn't been written yet we don't know all the answers so it's okay to not know and it's okay to tell your clients you're not quite sure it's all of these are qualities so yeah i like i like the phrase being confidently unconfident nice so be be confident that you don't know everything be confident in the stuff you do know but don't think you know it all and just if you ever tip those scales one way or the other pull yourself back to the middle very good be confidently unconfident i like that and then Catherine reimer has said i can't believe it's next week and that's because it's not next week is it, it is oh it is yeah we're traveling up next week oh jesus <laughs> it's a week away that's okay i'm organized it's true tuesday night yeah so there's not a show next week people because um i'll be there people are heading up or down depending what part of the country you're in so no shoe no shoe no show um next tuesday um because wednesday and thursday is the expo but then we'll be back obviously the tuesday after that with um chatting to people about it'll be a have your say so there'll be members from the sta team and regional reps and staff and maybe a couple of speakers talking about how it all went and what we took from it and then we just continue with another year before the next therapy expo so yeah it's like christmas come early says Catherine. I, I agree it is christmas come early it's a good analogy uh, becky carroll says mike james the man of many slogans love it slogans and dad jokes that's what i'm here for <laughs> something for the dads something for the dads wonderful well look it's uh 903 that's amazing uh mike thank you so much for your experience it just pours out um and uh yeah really excited um I hope people listening to the podcast, if you are one of the kind of 2,700 or so and you haven't heard of Mike James, then check him out um, by looking at the Therapy Expo website, by um, hopefully this podcast has given you some information on him. And also, Mike, if people want to kind of follow you, then you're on social media. You've got a couple of, you're the Endurance PT, aren't you, on Twitter and Facebook? Twitter, Endurance PT, Facebook, Endurance Physio, and uh instagram the endurance physio with an underscore between the, the underscores is true and tiktok i found you on tiktok the other day how's that going for you I'm I'm on just and like... off. i've been on and off there two or three times um i'm hating I'm, it i don't think i'm done with the kids yet on that one oh, i'm hating it i just want to delete it and feel better about myself but yeah. i'm thinking no because it's just reaching people isn't it it people is like us just want to get the message out there well, you know we, we ch you chat about trying something and working if yeah. it doesn't like most of my content is long form, even when I think it's short form. Yeah. yeah. So for me, you know, I've got certain things that work well on that platform, but overall, it's just not for me. It doesn't get me uh, an audience that drums up any business. It's it's trying something because the other cool cats are doing it and realizing, mm. tried it, it's not working, cut it loose. And I'm retreating uh, back to my strongholds of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, not in a, oh, I failed. Why couldn't I make that work? It's just not for me yeah yeah that's good that's good um right so that's it people becky carroll saying thanks matt and mike good alliteration matt and mike see you both next week yes we can't wait to see becky carroll looking forward to the hats parades which we'll have on wednesday and thursday nikki mansfield says brilliant tonight thank you mike um for so generously sharing your experience um yeah agreed mike it's just so i'm so happy that it turned out that you were the last person we're going to speak before therapy expo really pleased about that it's been really cool Stephen Barr also in the live lounge tonight says see you all next week growing man as we speak now, there's a image to be held on too thank you Stephen um and then um Catherine Reimer says thanks Matt and Mike a great discussion looking forward to seeing everyone yeah it's gonna be wonderful it's gonna be really cool right that's it people so yeah just remember next week oh one thing i just want to say as well um because it is getting towards the middle of november now actually mike you put out a video didn't you on people doing press-up challenges i think i saw yeah. that as an advice on that which um i kind of thought i am doing a press-up challenge people if you haven't seen on my social media yet then i am involved um in um a press-up challenge for cancer research uk and um so if you're listening to the podcast or you're watching um i'll get this up on the screen it's not going down there hold on Doo -doo -doo. update show 
there we go yeah if you are feeling charitable then um i've made a little url which is simpler than the fundraiser page just go along to tinyearl.com forward slash matt pushup that's tinyearl.com forward slash matt pushup and literally two pounds be fine it's just about getting people together to make um, a little contribution because together you'll make a massive contribution um, i'm doing 100 push-ups a day um, I'm already getting a little niggle in my right shoulder because I'm old. I'm having to adjust it and cut down on the on the number of reps I'm doing each set. So it is proving difficult. It's not easy for me. Believe me, I'm over 50. I know all of you lay, but I am over. Even saying all of you lay, which was changed, I think, in 1990, the name gives it away. But um, yeah, it is quite hard work getting them all fitted in. And I've still got another 1500 to do before the end of November. I'm halfway. So really appreciate it. If you can, if you're feeling charitable then um, it'd be wonderful just to put some money together for Cancer Research UK at that Earl. Right, that's said and done. I'm glad I remembered that. Um, thanks, Mike. Cheers, pleasure. Is it baby oil in a bucket on stage for your press-ups at the conference? It's true, actually. I was thinking, do we get everyone to do a few press-ups and film? I think we will, actually. I mean, it's always good fun, isn't it, get people involved. No baby oil, though. The days of that have mm. gone. God, they were the good days. But um, no. Um, we're not going to do that. So anyway, yes, thanks, Mike. I'm really looking forward Thank to seeing you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Isn't it lovely to say see you next week and actually know that we're going to actually be able to see each other physically rather than remotely? It's going to be wonderful. Thanks for joining us, people, in the live lounge. Um, hopefully, I know that looking down the list, um, a lot of you are going to be at Therapy Expo. If you listen to the podcast and you are going to Birmingham, then look us up. Come along to STA Theatre. Um, that is opposite the STA event stand. Um, I am six foot six and I've grown up with a tendency just to not look at people when I walk around. It looks like I'm snooty, that I, that I think I'm superior to you. It's just a tall thing. And also I've got really bad eyesight and I've got a bad memory. So chances are I will walk past you and not say anything to you, even if I've spoken to you in the past. Please don't take it personally. Tap me on the belly button because that's probably where you'll be and just go, Matt, hi, it's so-and-so. And I'll be so thankful because... I miss out on communicating with people because I am tall and promise you it's not because I'm aloof or anything. It's just I really don't see you because um, I'm just looking over. So, um, yeah, please don't think that I'm just ignoring you. Come up and, and, and say hi and remind me of your name because I'm just trapped with names as well. I want to say hi to as many people as possible, especially if you're listeners of the podcast. Um, so, yeah, please remember that. And I'm sorry to people who I do just walk past and look like I'm ignoring you. It's not intentional. I promise you it can be further from the truth. Right. That's it. We'll see you, uh, see you soon. We'll be back in a couple of weeks on the Sports Therapy Association podcast. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.